Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another beautiful summery week, 4th of July weekend from Wisconsin. We have Robert Craig, our Executive Director, with us this week. Robert, how are you doing? Well, I may have picked up a head cold from the Dem Convention, so and I'm not used to having any colds, so I'm not very good at it. So I'm trying to slog through the day. But nothing, nothing horrendous, just, you know, foggy and unenergetic <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no. Well, I hear you um, on that note. I, you know, I, I feel the same way. I feel like I've, I was talking with uh, someone on our staff today about I feel like I have, um, what do you call that, a sinus um, uh, allergies. And um, anyways, and let's say folks, COVID's still out there. We know people are getting, uh, still getting sick. So stay healthy. Uh, but with that, we have, we have so much to talk about, you know, since we last recorded the Roe v. Wade, uh, Supreme court decision came down and, um, we are going to talk about that. And we're going to, uh, Robert, I want to definitely talk more about both our reaction and specifically looking forward, what uh, Governor Evers and Attorney General Josh Call did around the lawsuit. Do you remember uh, when uh, Walker's people called Act 10 before they announced it, dropping the bomb? Yes. That's what I would say this Supreme Court decision is, but it's a national bomb against every child or woman of childbearing age in the country. Yeah, folks, it obviously it's... Um, Friday was a rough day for a lot of folks. Um, and so we feel that. And look, we think actually the, the lawsuit's in, interesting. And we want to talk more about that. Um, we're also going to talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C., specifically with the January 6th investigation. Um, yesterday, which is uh, Wednesday, excuse me, Tuesday, we're recording Wednesday this week, unusual. We do normally record on Thursdays. Uh, but we had just unbelievable testimony that came from Cassidy Hutchinson, uh, a key staffer within the White House uh, for Chief of Staff uh, Mark Meadows, and the information was stunning. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and of course, the information around, we, we talked about last week and Ron Johnson's connection. Um, there's more news around that this week. There's, there's Gableman news. Uh, but Robert, let, let's start with let's start with Roe Ro v. Wade. Um, since we recorded Thursday, I think everybody knows this came out Friday morning. Um, Robert, we and our staff and uh, folks on our team certainly talked about this and, um, you know, took some time and had a statement. And I just want to give you an opportunity on behalf of Citizen Action to just sort of talk a little bit about sort of our take and in this just this historic moment. And then after that, I do want to talk about sort of in Wisconsin unique, which is our role on this show, look at where we're headed with the legal situation and, and, and in particular the lawsuits by the attorney general. Uh, Robert, initially uh, just uh, thoughts on the decision. And we didn't do the initial uh, news cycle, which is all just reaction and shock. We went for the more reflective, how, where do we go from here? Uh, so waited and, and processed it more. I would say that this is not a surprise and there's going to be more of this. In fact, probably on Thursday, 
the Supreme Court will gut the federal government's ability to address the existential threat of climate change. And so we have a rogue Supreme Court. This is not just some accident. Anymore, as we'll talk later, Matt, that the uh, January 6th riot was just a happenstance or accident. They've been planning this for a long time, and it's important to understand that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, others deliberately have had a court packing strategy. And we're getting tied up in numbers uh, with the court. They've packed the courts. They packed the state Supreme Court. They packed the federal Supreme Court, and they packed it with people that will impose a narrow ideological and religious view on the rest of the population, regardless of public opinion or the evolution of public values. And they've done it with people with lifetime appointments. So the only possible way to address it is to have a Democratic Party, which is a broad coalition, which is what makes it weak in many ways, because it's only as strong as its lowest common denominators, uh, that is willing to uh, grab power back the way they've grabbed power. And that means there's really no alternative other than to, and by the way, the reason the Chamber of Commerce and WMC and all the business, big corporate interests and billionaires are for this, these judges also help them rig the economy. And the, the that's why they're being silent on row. They don't want to lead with that, but they're fine with that as long as they have judges that will give them more power and, and even more of, of, the of, the, of a share of the nation's wealth. And we gotta remember that they're hiding behind the extreme politicians they fund and they continue to fund them. So what has to happen is we need to be willing to add justices to the Supreme Court, which is not packing, it's rebalancing because the Republicans have won one popular vote for president in the last 30 years and now dominate the Supreme Court with right-wing, far-right judges willing to impose their ideology like a theocracy on everyone else. And then the other thing is they, people don't realize that Congress has authority over the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court. It was never intended to be a super legislator, legislature that could act in this fashion or couldn't be reined in. There are checks and balances. One check is to, uh, is to appoint more justices. There is no limit in the Constitution. The other check is to limit their jurisdiction. And, the, and we need a Democratic majority, all of them, that are willing to take such steps. And the thing to think about in terms of Wisconsin is if we, have a, if, if we can organize well around Roe, because it, it could be a game changer in this election, as could January 6th, then we are two seats away in the Senate. If we win Pennsylvania with John Fetterman, and we win that we, we unseat Ron Johnson, our choice at Citizen Action is with Mandela Barnes, we will have a majority take real action. But in the meantime, it's very frustrating because average people feel like the Democrats have control, they're not doing anything. 98% of Democrats would do something, but it's just two votes in the Senate, but unfortunately they can tie us in knots and they've chosen to do it. And so, this is very, very much a struggle, but we need to be serious about power and we need to be unified. We need to stop in all the infighting on the, not only the left, but the whole Democrat coalition. What the left's view, now role here, progressives view is to push centrist Democrats to boulder and boulder. And I will say this, Matt, I'm impressed that two centrist Democrats, uh, Governor Tony Evers and Attorney General Josh Call, have come out of the box bold and used a lot of their power, used it aggressively. And that that's a good sign here in Wisconsin. Well, I definitely want to talk about that. I want to follow up in, in, in on that because 
we are a Wisconsin-based show, and Wisconsin has this very odd situation where we have a law. Talked about it last week. 1849, right? Super ancient law when I believe I heard the entire assembly was male. No, women and couldn't vote, man. Exactly. Slavery was so the law of the land. It like what are we, you know, insane. And so Call's basic theory here is that since then, right, post Roe, and even before Roe, I think there was a case in the 60s. The old Milwaukee E. Michael McCann, I think his name is uh, famously in the case, that there's been settled case here that presumes that this ancient, old, archaic law no longer is actually the rule, is the law, the land, is what governs, and that because of that, um, this law should no longer exist. And I'm assuming by default, there, there it, it, it does speak to needing a, a legislative solution. But Robert, your thoughts on- Modern legislatures had- have repeatedly restricted abortion in various ways. And with waiting periods, parental consent, other restrictions, how do you restrict something that is illegal in the state? It's clearly not been an operative law for a very long time. It's written in such a terrible way that there isn't due notice say to a medical provider because it uses archaic language concerning um, uh, concerning what it's trying to regulate because it's mid 19th century when uh, medicine is primitive. And in addition to that, quite frankly, it's really impossible to say that this 1849 law when we were a tiny state, we would just become a state in terms of population reflects popular consent in any way. And so we'll see. The problem is it probably, Matt, as we were talking about before the show, comes down to the only swing conservative justice because he decides all cases. Yeah, Hagedorn, right? And it, so it, it certainly makes it interesting here in Wisconsin because there is a legitimate shot who's demonstrated it. We actually have empirical evidence <laughs> that he's willing to listen to the case and look at the specifics of it. Uh, and might actually seriously entertain and uh, look at based on the constitution and the law, what, what Evers is saying. So there's a chance. Where's Robert? I just, and after the six verdicts Evers, would not say, have the same feeling if this was the federal. Governor Evers to his credit has said he will grant clemency to anyone convicted under the law. Of course, someone doesn't want to go through that whole trial and conviction. So there's still deterrence. And then Josh call is saying he will not, enforce it. I believe Rebecca Clayfish, who is one of the two front runners for governor, is claiming she's going to do awful draconian things to any DA that doesn't enforce the 1849 law. In fact, I think all of the candidates who appeared at their debate said that. Of course, Tim Michaels refused to appear, which is the usual pattern of the Trump endorsed candidate. See Herschel Walker in Georgia. Well, look, Robert, you were talking about the fall election. And of course, this is, I mean, it's clearly a shock to the system that was not looking good for for Democrats in general. Um, And in particular, what's most damaging, I think, to the to to Republicans with this is the suburban voters that Democrats have been making massive inroads with for the last half decade and was supercharged under Trump. Republicans put a ton 
they put a lot into a strategy to start to bring those voters back and particularly women, suburban women. And they've been doing this around a lot of these cultural issues. Um, this has the potential to completely blow up some of that. And there's a lot of voters. So when we talk about where this, this swing could occur that could, could actually change an election that was looking very bleak for Democrats, it's this area where you could, uh, where if they were actually making inroads, say a month ago, if that gets rolled back and it actually gets worse, then you could see where this election does not turn out nearly as bad as, as uh, Democrats want. And in a state like Wisconsin, it could, it could be all the difference where you have uh, weak Ron Johnson and weak Republican gubernatorial candidates. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. Robert wanted to just give you a quick opportunity. I think you wanted to respond to my last comments there about just like, look, this is a huge moment. Yes, it could have a major significant impact in the election. I do want to underscore um, the, the only way this really has a significant impact is long term. We get a lot more serious about who are we electing on the, on the Democratic side? How committed are they to actually do the tough things? Um, and we want to continue to remain focused on that learning lesson uh, from this decision also. Robert? Well, as horrible as it is, and people will die, I mean, there is no, let's be clear, we'd rather not have a political opportunity, we'd rather have women's constitutional rights to reproductive health guaranteed as it should be. Uh, but now that they've decided to use their authoritarian powers to do this, uh, and you know we have the credulous senators like Susan Collins and uh, uh, Joe Manchin appalled that they were lied to. Come on, dudes. Uh, so it won't just happen naturally. You know, there's a tendency to say, "Oh, people will rise up, right? Women will rise up." The other side is going to try to moralize them. They're going to try to tell them, look, the Democrats aren't helping you. Looky, looky, and distract and do everything to demoralize our base when they're supercharging their base on hate and on abortion. Because as in things like LGBT rights, they can agitate uh, their base on it as well as we can. They can agitate the pro-life base to, to vote in huge numbers. There are more of us, but we got to vote. So I think all of us need to be in the business of inspiring people to lead into their power. This is about Democratic elected officials of all stripes leading into power the way Republicans have. And it is a and for good, not for their nefarious uh, goals and for their attack on democracy. Uh, but then we have to inspire people to see they have a stake in the system and not to be demoralized, not to walk away uh, because frankly, we gain two U.S. Senate seats in November, we can take control over the Supreme Court. We can end the filibuster. We can uh, codify Roe v. Wade, but don't be, no, let's make no mistake, they'll probably throw that out. So we're going to have to uh, rebalance the court and limit its jurisdiction, one or both. Folks, with that, we are going to switch topics to the insurrection hearings that are going on and robert and you could say thought, just, you could say that these are both different types of insurrections oh they're they're directly connected there's no doubt about it because the key defining thing that connects us is a minority 
that is taking, you know, shall we say extreme steps to impose their will upon the majority um, and do it in a way that is completely, <laughs> it, it just doesn't, it, it does not stand up and Roe Ro v. Wade is just one example. But look, we've been talking about the insurrection, you know, ever since it happened, but repeatedly trying to bring it up because we believe it is still the defining issue of this upcoming election. Roe v. Wade is, has certainly uh, added to that. But look, this, Robert, this, these, these hearings continue to be stunning and uh, what is being revealed. And I got to say, Tuesday was 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 the best yet. And I think Cassidy Hutchinson was a very compelling uh, uh, witness because of just how close she was to all this actual information. And not, not, not only just what she heard and so actual words, but she was able to witness and, and describe the reactions of others firsthand that you're just not going to get in any other way. And the truth being that it makes perfect sense that these people that are cowardly refusing to testify and leak shit in the media, you know, not go on the record that she did uh, and probably did this because she had very little confidence that these cowards would ever protect and support her. But nonetheless, absolutely compelling testimony that is extraordinarily damning to Trump, to Meadows, to Giuliani, and to a whole bunch of cronies surrounding the president. There is a small number of very conservative Republicans who believe in democracy, and Liz Cheney is one. And uh, Cassidy Hutchinson is another. Just so folks know what the insiders say, they say if you had been having a parlor bet, you know, uh, months ago, you would have thought she was one of the least likely to flip, that she was considered extremely loyal uh, to this administration. And she did it under oath. So the cowards on the Trump side uh, lobbing little bombs at her with, from unnamed sources. Uh, that is not going to cut it. And the uh, and Liz Cheney and uh, Benny Thompson, the chair of the committee, are saying, uh, come on in if you have something to tell us. Otherwise, you're not part of the investigation. You know, uh, Meadows can come and refute all of this, but it'd be under oath. He's attempting to use privilege uh, to, to shield himself. And it looks like from Cassidy Hutchinson's narrative, he's a complete coward who was unwilling to... Uh, 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 really to cross his boss and was trying to play all sides, quite frankly, the classic weaselly politician, really, when you get down to it. But here's the thing, right? We we give Nancy Pelosi credit. She played much better chess than Kevin McCarthy, the Republican majority leader, or Mitch McConnell, because she went and tried to cause a uh, have a bipartisan committee, right, that actually would have had people who would have resisted this investigation on the committee. Uh, McCarthy went, and we know what McCarthy actually thought versus how he changed once he saw the political situation change, because he just wants to be House Speaker, speaking of power, that McCarthy put on insurrectionists like Jim Jordan. Pelosi said, no, not the insurrectionists. And then he took his ball and walked home, walked away. They 
passed it anyway in the House, and then McConnell killed it. And so then because they got two Republicans, two principled Republicans, Kinzinger and Cheney, they've been able to have a bipartisan commission that is unfettered by resistance. And their problem with this whole hearing is they need to almost be like a streaming series. In other words, the public is so jaded by all the exciting entertainment options, you really have to be sensational. And so far, they've met the bar and the one the, the, the uh, unplanned hearing this week with Cassie Hutchinson was the most explosive. It's oh, like the most explosive episode of, uh, of any of name your name, your favorite streaming series. Seriously. And, oh, my Robert, and, you could not it, have it, casted it, a better <laughs> you could not have casted a better Republican right. operative than Cassidy. That's right. Come in and tell that story. Wouldn't have done it as well. It was better than fiction. And same with Lynn Cheney, for that matter. And oh. Same with some of the Democratic talent on this committee, like a Jamie Raskin, or uh, and there are others on this committee. This is a loaded committee as far as talent, too. There, there really are talented people in Congress. Uh, but the interesting thing is, look, they are putting Trump at the center, and now he's at the center of the violence. That is the shocking thing from yesterday. He isn't, that isn't just incidental to him. In fact, he had no regard. He was try, he, he made it possible for them to appear with guns. He knew we were going over there and he knew they were going to hurt members of Congress and they were going to hurt Mike Pence. And he wanted that to happen. He wanted to lead the, the, the mob and tried to. And so these are stunning revelations. And I think they do matter. I think they put a lot of pressure on Merrick Garland. There's been a lot of concern about, speaking of Democrats, not willing to use their power, uh, that Merrick Garland has been uh, sitting on his thumbs and being overly cautious. And uh, a lot of this seems to have been aimed to give the Justice Department some backbone, like, okay, you're not going to investigate this. <laughs> yeah, no, Robert, not only that, but I also think they, they had this, uh, this hearing because of the threats. Oh yeah, that, that they ended. They they really worried that that she was going to get threatened and they were going to lose her as a witness and knew that they needed to get her out immediately uh, before and send a clear message back to Trump world that like the heat's been ratcheted up and we're on to you. And and it, by the way, it's the stuff you do after that's worse. And this kind of stuff, like the intimidation and the threats, the mob like threats are when combined with the powerful testimony that even if you dicker with some of the details, and I'm sure there'll be stories dickering the guts that Trump, not only did he not be like, whoa, what the fuck did I unleash? I need to get the hell back to the White House, you know, and privately celebrate. No, he actively wanted to go there and cite, didn't give a shit that there were people that it was a completely insane situation where his life was clearly could have been at risk. No, he knew that wasn't, he knew what was going on it reveals. He knew, and it's very clear. I think from this, that Giuliani knew Giuliani was involved directly. We're going to find out directly in oh, with the proud, boys. the proud boys. That's yeah. obvious. Giuliani was directly involved. I think we're going to find out Meadows knows Meadows knew and was, he's the silent tried one. Who to just, go over, yep. said he tried to go over and, and speak to them at the Willard hotel, a historically famous hotel, which is now had its reputation ding by what they were doing over there on January 6th. 
Well, this is all so, just so this is, is sensational and we'll continue to watch it and track it. And Robert, what you said about the the misplay, the, how Trump, how mad Trump is that there aren't Republicans fighting for him or, or you know, quite frankly, being the cross. You know, here's the, how you know, cross, it's cross, cross, uh, cross, what do you call it? Here's how you defense. know it's serious, okay? Uh, you knew Trump was just going to attack her. She's a nobody, never heard of her, the usual Trump shtick. But generally speaking, the primetime Fox News programs will change the subject. No, 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 no. They mentioned the whole thing and tried to discredit her, which tells me they knew their listeners would hear about it and they had to answer it. And it was with sleazy lies, but nonetheless, that tells you how dangerous it is for them. With that, we have to take a break. You're listening to the Better Realm Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are spent some time debriefing the just, uh, I've said it, sensational hearings. Uh, and Tuesday's was the best, uh, both in terms of information and just uh, great, great viewing and listening. I'll, I'll admit I was mostly listening because I was doing some work at the time, but just amazing. Robert, before we move on, going to give you an opportunity to add any more you want, but also want to mention Ron Johnson, right? We talked about it on last week's show with the phone and just, it's so obvious that he's super tied to this. Um, This week, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, had an editorial that was just like his, his pathetic and embarrassing attempt to walk back what he did with his phone and then the stories changing from day to day. Um, basically they they've declared said he's completely unfit for office. He needs to be voted out, which is, you know, uh, the, the journal Sentinel is still a, uh, that editorial board is still a, rep- was, and uh, we'll see a Republican board. Uh, Robert, any, we expect Rojo to come back. We thought maybe he would have been uh, more information on Tuesday, but uh, any other further thoughts about uh, the the hearings and any connection back here to Wisconsin? It's going to have an impact um, in the Wisconsin Senate race because Ron Johnson has stumbled into the center of it uh, because he is not the brightest man and he actually believes this stuff. He wants to be Trump's best friend and he's all over the map. He had nothing to do with it and was staff to staff. And I mentioned I've met the staff person involved. Hard to believe he would be, uh, you know, a cowboy about this from what I saw from the dude. Uh, but furthermore, um, he then reversed himself and I rang the radio was claiming he's at the center of everything. So it, look, the, 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 the better this committee does and it's doing very well, the worse for Ron Johnson. It's partly why his approval ratings are 37%. And so regardless of the national scene, he's extremely vulnerable. Their only solution is going to be to try to completely trash the Democrat. In other words, they're going to do a trashing that makes the trashing of Michael Dukakis in 1988 look like child's play. And so that's what we can expect with massive amounts of money, uh, because Ron Johnson's record is indefensible. We haven't even getting to his record on issues or his belief we, that we don't need any jobs in Wisconsin and his, we'll be talking about this more, his nefarious activities to put little little goodies in the tax code for him and his billionaire friends that fund him, people who fund him and for himself and to oppose what is best for, for his own constituents. 
And so he is incredibly vulnerable, but I would say Relvis Wade hurts him because he will not position himself. He will simply, Lord knows what he'll say about that. Robert, we got to, we got to, we got to bring this a little bit back home to Wisconsin. Um, and there's information this week about our, you know, more, more information coming out from our state Supreme Court, uh, shall we say a verdict. Okay, our listeners, you're going to have to take your brains back a little bit, just a little bit. You remember the DNR appointee who refused to leave? Well, the Supreme Court, Robert, this week uh, said that that was, that was okay. He could just stay beyond his term as long as he wants. What the H-E-double-L, what? And the reason is because the Senate refuses to confirm any replacement. So now the Supreme Court has enabled uh, state Senate of one party to essentially keep the, the appointees of their party in power uh, simply by not acting. Uh, they're citing an early 1960s case. There were norms then. I mean, this is the kind of legal formalism that right-wing judges use to legislate. So you can say, oh, we have this precedent, but you've got to think about the implications, the implication being that you have undercut the governor's appointment power. And that is a fundamental power within the Constitution. If you have senators, state senators, that won't even consider filling positions. And this, this guy is a standard issue right-wing hack, he, uh, he is, uh, doesn't think PFAS are any kind of threat, uh, contrary to science, and has tried to run interference on reasonable PFAS legislation, for example. He should not have survived beyond the Walker administration. This is scandalous, but here, we, here you have it. The Supreme Court is in Wisconsin, also packed by the business lobby, has sanctioned it. And they don't like environmental regulations, and now they can give lifetime appointments, apparently, to DNR in effect. Robert, we, I want to stay focused here in Wisconsin. I appreciate that update. We, we have another update, right? Our Supreme Court. There's a former <laughs> Supreme Court, I use this uh, in parentheses, justice, the disgraced Michael Gableman. He's back in the news this week. Robert, do you know how many times Michael Gableman <laughs> has now been sued over his investigation and again in quotes his his scheme uh and it's all been over his inability to keep records four times this week his fourth lawsuit has been filed concerning this review this absolutely sham review um we we should probably at some point award this uh, American oversight for, for this, this law. They have been Ron Johnson's worst enemy over this, or excuse me, uh, Gableman's worst enemy over this in, in, insane investigation. Robert, your thoughts on this? It, it just, it's not going to end. And he is seemingly becoming more belligerent too. Well, this is what they put on Supreme courts. And we knew that this guy, originally was elected based on completely made up charges against the first African-American justice on the Wisconsin court, Lewis Butler. We filed the complaint with the judicial commission that he was lying and he was convicted on it. Then the Supreme court deadlocked on partisan lines on whether to do anything about it. Then he didn't run for election for obvious reasons. 
but now they describe him as an august former Supreme, State, uh, Supreme Court justice, who of course has visited Mar-a-Lago and had a Trump administration appointment. So this is all about power again. Uh, Donald Trump threatens Robin Voss's position every time he tries to make a move to end the clown car show of, of Gableman. And so every little tentative move, um, Trump says something and he doesn't dare do it. And so as long as Trump has this authority in the party and has control over their authoritarian base, the 25% of the country that's apparently authoritarian, then we, we can impose the Gablemans of the world and the Mark Meadows of the world and the Michael Flynn's of the world. This is a, uh, a, a retired army officer who says uh, on the January 6th hearings, he took the fifth on whether or not you, you had to have a peaceful transfer of power. Does that tell you? Yeah. And look, people, if you didn't, if that noise you heard this week, that, that was the noise of the rats trying to run around on the ship. Some of them are jumping off. They're reconsidering their pathways as Cassidy Hutchinson testified. Folks. Oh, and Trump will throw them all under the bus. That's what they understand, that this man has no loyalty. We've seen that. So. I want to take the time before we uh, go to break to talk about uh, our volunteer phone bank that we are running for Mandela Barnes. Robert, you, you, you mentioned, right, we have this absolutely critical moment where the Senate has been, you know, quite frankly, it has stood in the way of everything that all of us, we've been working so hard and that there are two Senate seats. You mentioned Fetterman and the one here in Wisconsin could put us in a position where we could override a filibuster. Super, super important. Well, folks, look, we told you last uh, two weeks ago, we, right, we endorsed Mandela Barnes. Um, the only way we're going to win this election, and he is up against significant resources, um, you know, two, two of the candidates can self-fund. Um, and so it's going to be us. It's going to be people uh, doing the work, helping get out the message. This is a primary election. It's lower turnout. We are doing phone banks every Wednesday night from five to eight. These phone banks, you can jump on. I'm going to have a link in the podcast text for you where you can go RSVP. You can sign up for any of the Wednesday between now and the primary every Wednesday, we're doing calls five to eight. There is training on the front end. So you will be properly trained as to exactly how to do the calls. And you're not calling challenging voters. We're, we're calling people who, you know, if they just hear the news, we think there's a, a, a better chance that they'll get out and support uh, Mandela Barnes, but we really need your support. We need you to get involved. Democracy requires us to do this work. So please, Hopefully you can sign up, get involved for Mandela Barnes again every Wednesday night. Go click the link. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin where Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, hey folks, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. I would recommend if you're on Facebook, Please follow us. We're, we post regularly. Anything unique content we put out goes there. We're also on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Check us out. Robert, before the break, we're talking about our effort for Mandela Barnes. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts because I was, you know, 
Bice writes the articles in the journal Sentinel. It's his job to try to try to write scandal pieces. A political gossip columnist, <laughs> scandal columnist. For exactly. The for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And today uh, there was an article that attempted to make a big deal out of uh, Mandela Barnes suggesting uh, that it would be great for an independent group to run an ad that you know, says X, Y, and Z, and that woe and behold, a independent group saw that and ran an ad. And basically, article goes on to admit the Swiss cheese that is our campaign finance law, and that this is all perfectly legal and, and done all the time, quite frankly, in some ways. And um, anyways, long and short of it, a lot of effort by the Tom Nelson campaign to make a big deal out of this, which is amazing given that... <laughs> Tom Nelson, when he was in leadership in the assembly, this is exactly the, I mean, this is how business is done, right? Well, and, Tom did it when he went for Congress. And for Congress, Congress right? Congress. You know, it's, so like, it's just, and to say like their, their side tries to argue that Ron Johnson would do this and would use this. Um, the reality is Ron Johnson is in a horrible position to get into any kind of conversation about where one's money comes from. It's actually, they need to own, it's the, it's the Nelson campaign that's actually trying to raise this as an issue, which is hypocritical for him to do. I know he's running as a Bernie Democrat, and I respect him for that. He's right. Tom is 100% right about his analysis about where we need to go, unfortunately, he did not necessarily govern that way. And then to be so sharp in his critique of the one African-American candidate who actually well, has more of a record, it's just frustrating. But anyways, Robert, your thoughts. Let's be fair. The Godlewski campaign <laughs> also jumped in and said that sure. uh, Mandela has, is not accepting money from corporate PACs, but has at some point earlier in his career so it's all the got yeah hypocrisy you know i guess you could say ron johnson isn't hypocritical because he's out front there as an insurrectionist right <laughs> and a max denier and everything else with no no apologies uh the, the it's this sort of tit for tat that actually makes candidates so careful because these are non-issues yes okay, the idea that this helps voters decide who should be a u.s senator who should take on Ron Johnson, who would represent us best in the U.S. Senate is absurd because journalists, many of them seem too lazy to actually dig into issues. I, I, I know I used a strong word, but please, this, right. it's called, this is horse race kind of stuff, but it's also inventing stories. Like I got the story, someone didn't. So let me just say what it is so we're clear about that on the podcast. Uh, we have a situation now where a lot of the money spent in campaigns is unregulated, quote unquote, independent money. And this is, uh, Fizz United made this possible. In Wisconsin state races, our state Supreme Court has gutted our campaign finance system. They did it originally in order to keep Scott Walker out of jail because he violated the laws, shredded them as they were at the time uh, in his recall election. Uh, so everyone, money moves this way. Okay, and everyone who wants to win elections has to be aware of it. What is illegal with independent money is for, and this is what Scott Walker did do, for the cat to say, hey, independent super PAC or independent C a C4 organization can do these expenditures too. Uh, I could really use some TV ads in Green Bay. Why don't you do those? And I'm going to do them in Madison. I'm giving you a hypothetical. And do it behind closed doors. 
But the loophole is this, you can publicly state your needs and then it's in the public domain and anyone can choose to do something because it's their own free speech right. And that is what, and, and candidates have taken to putting these on their websites and it's public, so it's legal, but it would be disarmament for Mandela Barnes to say, okay, I'm gonna let the two independently wealthy candidates out spend me to oblivion. And there are a lot of people who would like to support me, right? I'm support. I'm endorsed by Elizabeth Warren. He was endorsed today, that is Wednesday by um, AOC, for example. Cory Booker's another one. And so there are a lot of people, there are people excited about the other candidates, but excited about him and they might wanna to get together and try to influence the outcome. That is, according to the Supreme Court, democratic activity. And so these cheap charges of hypocrisy are silly because you're saying that the candidate that is pure can't be in the Senate and that it would remove for us exactly. from, from possibility the, this is Mandela's point, the middle-class kid from Milwaukee whose parents were, were union members and who was not independently wealthy. Right. And to his credit, uh, Tom Nelson's not independently wealthy either, but he is trying to kind of poke holes in, in uh, Mandela's progressivity. Uh, I can tell you as citizen action, people can make their own decisions. We are not gonna try to tear down the other candidates. Uh, what I'm saying on this podcast is about responding to an attack on Mandela. We are not gonna go do our engagement. We're not gonna make phone calls, anything else, any literature, any digital, they're attacking the other primary candidates because the winner needs to win against Ron Johnson. We are gonna talk about the virtues of Ron Johnson. It would be very nice if the media could focus in on the issues that matter to voters and how these candidates may differ and how they perform in Washington, DC and to push them towards substantive discussions of real issues. Well, folks, it's also why before the break, I made the push for us, our volunteerism, us having these conversations with voters. That's really important. That's the stuff that's persuasive. That's when you can have the one-on-one -on -one conversation with voters about Mandela's record, right? About candidates. So we want to encourage you to get involved. That's the kind of democracy we want to create. And so uh, I'm glad we were able to have this conversation. But Robert, we actually got to wrap this, uh, this show up this week. Um, we want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who has been making this podcast happen. We're, 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 we, we constantly run into struggles in, the, uh, in this pandemic world as we're still trying to pull ourselves out of it. But uh, thank you, Brian, for making the show happen every week. But folks, we got to run. Have, I hope you have a wonderful holiday weekend. Enjoy this, again, very way too short time in summer. Uh, with family and friends uh, this holiday weekend. We'll see you next week at the Battleground Wisconsin.